1: First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson, and it goes to Corey Davis. Crowder
3: trying to get him out of space, slips oh, oh,
1: a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. He'll hit immediately. Achilles. got the handoff. You know and <laughs> The q Oh, my gosh. Thank you.
0: From the playlikeajet.com digital studio This is Play Like a Jet My name is Scott Mason You can follow me on Twitter At playlikeajet1 And we are going to preview the Jets and the Broncos This is what we call know your foe Dissecting the Denver Broncos From the Denver Broncos point of view And so Brought on three of my favorite podcasters If you listen to the show, you know Cameron Parker From Mainly Broncos But you may not know Zach Seegers Or Matty Moles, they're here too They are the Mainly Broncos crowd And I'm really glad to have all three of them Cam, we'll start with you, welcome to the show, sir
4: I'm doing great, man It's always good to, you know, redo this again You know, we we did it last year uh, With with the what was a close game For majority of the game And then the Broncos pulled away late um, So, but Yeah, I'm really glad that we can be able to do this again.
0: The difference, of course, is that last year when the Broncos won, it did the Jets a favor. I'm not so sure it'll be the case this year. But also, I don't think anybody expected anything out of the Broncos last year, and they were on a roll, which we're going to talk about. Maddie, welcome to the show. You have to be very happy with the way the Broncos are playing so far.
3: I'm I'm happy um, that they haven't stumbled and fallen on their faces, but... I'm not like surprised. We all expected them to get out to a hot start. Um, I'm, I'm not disappointed, but like my expectations haven't been exceeded yet. So I'm cautiously optimistic moving forward. I'm going to be the wet blanket of the three (laughs) of us. I think uh, looking at the Broncos um, and where we stand right now.
0: Listening to this podcast, you can't see this, but Maddie's wearing an Oklahoma City shirt. So now you can see why he's going to be the wet blanket because he's used to having the rug pulled out from underneath him. Zach, thanks for coming on the show, man. I really like your draft content. You've got to be happy, too, and probably a little more
2: optimistic than Maddie right now, right? I am, I am, and I think it's because I I was already comfortable with the fact that Drew Locke was a bad quarterback, and uh, you, you know the rest of us are, are are catching up to the Teddy Train, Teddy Train, everybody. <laughs> um, so I think think I'm a little more fired up, and I'm uh, I'm bringing the rest of the crew with me here.
0: I was telling you guys before we started recording. The funny thing about Teddy Bridgewater is he became sort of an inside joke on Jets Twitter for a little while. And just a quick rehash, it was based on Josina Anderson saying that the Jets never should have traded Teddy in 2018. And then everything became a meme of, you know, who would make this all better? Teddy Bridgewater. And it just became something funny that we would resort to to help hide the pain the last couple of years from time to time. But now Teddy Bridgewater is really kicking butt for the Denver Broncos. And Cam... You can't have possibly scripted a better start for him and this Broncos offense, but I want to start with Teddy. Four touchdowns, no interceptions, 83 QBR, one of the top quarterback ratings in the league right now. He's absolutely on fire, spreading the ball around. And we know that Teddy Bridgewater has a reputation for being very Alex Smith-like, very careful with the ball. Mm -hmm. He's not going to kill you, but he's also not going to put up major numbers and make a ton of big-time plays. In fact, my friend Tony Dunn from the C3 Panthers podcast used to say Teddy Bridgewater was like living in eternal purgatory because of the fact that He wasn't bad enough to necessarily move on from if you couldn't do better, but he also wasn't good enough that he was going to take you anywhere. This year, at least through two games, he looks to be like a difference maker. We'll see if this continues, but what have you seen from him so far that has put him in that category through two
4: games? I think for Broncos vantage point for the the fan base, it's certainly great to see more of an efficient quarterback uh, as you know, right, right off the top, right off the top. So that certainly fits with what Teddy Bridgewater does really well um, through his career. I mean, he's been rather efficient throughout his career. So it was great to see him do that and really take what a lot of people were calling over here in Broncos country, a quarterback competition and really, almost making it seem like it was never really a quarterback competition. Really, maybe even at all the way that he's been playing the first two weeks. Um, so it's been really good. The one thing that has really separated, at least for my own eyes, um, with Teddy Bridgewater these first two weeks has been his playmaking. You know, his ability to uh, also stretch the field. I believe he has the most uh, twenty yard, uh, attempt, uh, twenty plus yards attempts or whatever in the NFL through the first two weeks. And, you know, for him to be able to stretch the field like that and then also add his playmaking outside of the pocket um, has been a huge breath of fresh air. So, you know, it's been especially just a prime example was that Giants game. You know, this is a New York pod, I guess you could say, after all. So it's always good to see a Giants loss, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. um, But, uh, you know, to see him do all sorts of playmaking, you know, outside the pocket from Dexter Lawrence, um, you know, creating a lot of pressure. You know, it was just really surreal. So for him to extend plays like that and feed KJ Hamler, um, you know, and then uh, Albert Okwabanam uh, on a fourth down was just pretty surreal to see. And if he can keep that type of play up, you know, that will that that that's going to be some some pretty good uh, work from the quarterback as it continues.
0: Matty, how much of Bridgewater's early success do you think can be attributed to the play of the offensive line and the two-headed monster at running back, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, because both of those guys are getting their share of the carries. I think they have about 50 carries combined, and it's very close to 50-50. Both have been very efficient, and the offensive line seems to be doing the job. So how much of that do you think factors in to what Teddy Bridgewater is doing through two
3: games? It's always going to help the quarterback when you have two good running backs behind you that can both stay on the field for second and third down when you're not tipping off the defense to what you're doing based on the personnel. That was one of the limitations of Philip Lindsay in the past was they knew that if he was on the field, it was likely not a pass play. And if it was a pass play that they'd be able to get home on a blitz. So it really does help having both of those guys be reliable first, second and third down players. That being said, I'm actually skeptical with, of how our our running game is going to look moving forward. You take away that 70 yard touchdown run by Melvin Gordon week one, and it was pretty tough sledding for us overall in that game, getting, you know, uh, efficiency, running the football. We turned the corner a little bit with Javante Williams in week two, but Melvin Gordon was running into a wall all game. So we haven't really been able to see both backs get in a groove and just kill you on first down and second down and have third and short or turn over a new set of downs and and keep keep the drive moving strictly on the ground. Bridgewater's been able to come in and kind of regulate that a little bit. I've been impressed. The problem is... Our third down efficiency last week. I think we were what two of eleven mm-hmm. um, on third down. So that's obviously got to get better moving forward. the The biggest thing for Teddy has been just limiting mistakes, and and you live to fight another down. Or our defense can go and turn a team over, or you know get the ball back for our offense. No harm, no foul. That's the biggest thing that that Teddy can do is just protect the football. Certainly having a good running game behind him will allow him to be more successful in that regard.
0: Zach, you're the draft guy, so you know all about these weapons that the Broncos have been putting together over the last couple of years. It's funny because I have a friend of mine who's a big Broncos fan, and I keep telling him they've got some really nice young weapons. And what he kept saying to me is something along the lines of what you said before, which is, Yeah, but as long as Drew Locke stinks, none of that matters. Well, now Drew Locke is not (laughs) playing. It's Teddy Bridgewater, and he's gotten off to a really good start. And so you're seeing those weapons really start to shine. Noah Fant has played really well. And then, of course, Cortland Sutton has started to blossom into a star. It's only been two games, so we got to be careful here. But he has looked fantastic. Tim Patrick's got two touchdowns. I know a lot of people like him. So Bridgewater is spreading the ball around quite a bit. K.J. Hamler getting in there a little bit. Unfortunately, Jerry Judy is hurt. And that's the one that's interesting to me because a lot of Jets fans last year really wanted Jerry Judy at number 11 Instead, the Jets went with Makai Becton, which I think everybody realizes was the right move. You got to go with an offensive lineman when you need one. But Judy seemed to be that surefire guy. And yet, so far, he hasn't really made that big impact yet with Denver. Now he's hurt. So he's the disappointment. The Jets won't see him on Sunday. But the rest of these guys, Cortland Sutton, is going to be a big test for this Jets secondary, that is very young and inexperienced, but through two weeks has been really, really good. So tell me a little bit, Zach, about what they've done so far in the passing game with those receivers and, of course, with Noah Fant to tight end, and what Jets fans should expect out of the passing game from Bridgewater and company this Sunday in Denver.
2: You know, they should expect the ball to get spread around a lot. You know, both games were games where – and. You know, I know Jets fans, they are passionate people. They're watching these games. We all know when the announcer chimes in and goes, oh, quarterback X has completed it to, you know, seven different receivers this game. That's been the case in both of the Broncos' first two games, you know, where he is really spreading the ball a lot. He's taking what the defense gives him. And, you know, if that's uh, the Broncos' third tight end, Eric Schubert, he'll throw it to Schubert. Um, and, and I think you also hit uh, uh, or did a good job of hitting on the point that the Broncos just have so many weapons and so many ways to, um, to kill you, which is why I think a large portion of the fan base was so frustrated with Drew Locke. It's like, this is a Ferrari and you're just stuck here driving three miles an hour on a, on a, a hard scrabble <laughs> road, man. Like, 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 let's get some things rolling here. Uh, Cause you've got Corland Sutton who, Uh, you talk about him breaking out this year and he certainly is breaking out again, but before the ACL tear, people forget in 2019, he went over a thousand yards with the corpse of Joe Flacco. I know you guys (laughs) got a taste of that in in New York, the Mm -hmm. corpse of Joe Flacco, Brandon Allen and the aforementioned drew lock throwing him the football. It's a pretty ugly quarterback trio to, to hit a thousand yards with. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think he he's a fantastic, um, you know, downfield option and also a, a red zone option. Tim Patrick is Mr. Red Zone, his size, physicality, strong hands, um, reliable hands. One of the few receivers in football who didn't have a drop last season. Um, you know, and plus with his massive size, he's six, four, six, five, um, and can elevate too. So that's a, that's a big mismatch nightmare. And then you've got Noah Fant and Albert Oakway, but on two more six, three, six, four bodies that can move very well, uh, you know, some of the more athletic tight ends in the game, um, uh, K.J. Hamler, then they've got the the small little jitterbug at 5'9 that can burn just about anyone in the league down deep. Uh, Greg Williams, don't call cover zero. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's they've got so many options to to beat you with. I think it really is a nightmare. And if you start going too high, too much, they can beat you with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. I think some of the reason those runners have been um, so inefficient through the first uh, a few weeks here uh, has been teams are, are prioritizing stopping the run and they're filling that box up and, and not giving many lanes and the Broncos have been able to uh, uh, make defenses pay for the the numbers disadvantage on the back end. One last thing I think the hope for for the New York Jets here defensively is Quinn and Williams who, as all you New York people know, is an absolute stud. I think he's in that tier of interior defensive linemen just below the Aaron Donald tier because that guy's in a a tier of his own. Um, And this Broncos interior offensive line has been ugly, like straight up bad. Dalton Reisner, friend of the show. Uh, No, we don't like bad-mouthing him. Straight up bad. Mm -hmm. Straight up like he should, like, forget about a contract extension this coming season. Like, we might be talking benching in the offseason of 2022. Like, it's bad. Lloyd Cushenberry, same deal. People were hoping for a leap. Has not been there. Bad. Graham Glasgow, the the one reliable piece on that line, he is trending towards playing but had an irregular heartbeat in the one game he played this year. If you've got Natani Muti and he's got a serious length disadvantage against just about anyone he's facing on that interior, if you're blowing up the interior of any offensive line in the league, that's going to cause problems for that offense and could be enough to messy the game up and, and get the Jets in it.
3: Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.
1: Step into the
3: world
1: of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family
0: so, Cam, it appears that Pat Shermer, who we'll talk about now since you referenced the Giants before, and he's a sore spot for Giants fans. So, I'm happy to say his name, Pat Shermer, Pat Shermer, Pat Shermer, <laughs> like the candy man, just to upset any Giants fans that might be listening. We discussed him last year, and you seem pretty happy with what he was doing. Now, with the Broncos off to this hot start, and what Zach was just saying as far as the interior part of the offensive line struggling. How much of this early success do you think can be attributed to Shermer's play calling, and what do you think he's going to do on Sunday to combat the problem that Zach just talked about?
4: You know, I I just think one of the things that's been so phenomenal with what we've seen with Pat Shermer is he's sticking to a script, and he's sticking to the offense that he would love to run. Uh, you know, with uh, with the Denver Broncos, and um, and I think that you know. I've been speculating for my own, like, you know, why the Broncos would have inactivated um, Andrew Beck for the past two weeks because of a struggling running game. Well, the fact is, is, you know, and Zach mentioned it before on the podcast before, uh, Shermer's offense does not use very many fullbacks. And so, so for the, for the Broncos, I mean, you know, you're, you're looking at an offense that is strictly Shermer based, really. I mean, and, and so I think that for for that, it's really played into the hand of for the Broncos and with this offense of being able to distribute the football. And so yes, they've been struggling um, at times in the running game. but one of the beautiful things even with that and you know, and, and even with that running game is they've st- they've steadily stayed with the running game. And and with that they've they've paid huge dividends even late into into ball games, which is always a good coach's mo. Is that if you can always stick with the with the running game, it may not look pretty for three quarters, but come the fourth quarter, you know you have that opportunity for to break for a huge run. So even though the defenses are certainly keying on the running game and allowing Teddy Bridgewater beat him, you know it, it's it's definitely looked out really good. And so for for that even too. Having Teddy Bridgewater beat you in the first two weeks, that's saying a lot um, in the type of offense that you've been able to run.
0: Matty, we've talked about the offense. Let's talk a little defense now. Vic Fangio, one of the smartest defensive minds in the NFL. In fact, Brandon Staley, who I'm a big fan of, I think he's going to do a terrific job with the Chargers. He was his protege. They worked together both in Denver and in Denver. And in Chicago, so this is somebody who not only is one of the best defensive minds in the league But also a great teacher, clearly Tell me a little bit about what you've seen from this Denver defense. I'm going to get to Zach in a second and break down some of the individual performances, particularly Von Miller. But overall, if we're looking at this from a wide view, tell me about what you've seen from this Fangio defense and what has made it so successful because they really haven't given up a lot of points. Now, to be fair, they have played two really bad teams, so I'm sure that's part of it. But still, you've got to give credit where credit is due, right?
3: Well... A hundred percent. I I'm glad that you said that, right? Two bad teams. But if you look at where the Jacksonville Jaguars are testing people, they're letting Trevor Lawrence throw the ball down the field. And outside of that very first drive, Marvin Jones kind of ate us up a little bit there, the defense settled in what you aren't seeing our defense do in Denver is give up the big play. You can give up a catch and that's fine, but then the play stops there. And we're not letting one play snowball into a lot of mistakes. And what I mean by that is we've got a guy who's potentially, you could say the most talented player potentially on our defense. That's a rookie. He's certainly one of the most versatile players that we've seen enter the league in some time. And he's starting to come into his zone. He's a weapon that we can use against many different positions. We can line him up inside or outside. Uh, potentially even hot take from somebody on this pod. He could even play on that second level some on the defense. So really smart, really capable, long, physical player. And I'm sure Zach will wax poetic about PS2 here in a minute. <laughs> the problem is... Fangio has not been able to be completely unleashed. He came here with an expertise for outside linebackers. He came here understanding how to get pressure on the quarterback, how to really stress an offense. Guess what he hasn't had? Bradley Chubb on one side and Von Miller on the other, going and, and mm-hmm. just being being crazy and lighting their hair on fire and getting after the quarterback. Unfortunately, we've only had, you know, an Uno of the duo more often than not and that's really unfortunate. We should hopefully get Chubb back here around the bye week, maybe around Dallas' time frame, but we've done more to be able to cover some injuries too. We had a really good defense last year, especially in the red zone, and we were amongst one of the most injured teams on that side of the football in the entire NFL. So he's really able to scheme guys and get the most out of them. Josie Jewell was somebody who slid in, in – in the draft, and he was very much overlooked. Fangio's been able to really maximize what he could get out of Josie Jewell, and now we're feeling the effects of of not having him. That's that's the hallmark of a good coach. It's that you can get more out of your players than what maybe athletically they would show. And you're able to cover some deficiencies when injuries start happening and your whole defense doesn't just fall apart. So that's been really impressive. There have only been a couple of plays, really. I mean, we got to start a little faster on that side of the football too, but only a couple of plays in the first two weeks that really I think that we'd like to have back. So we're really good at stopping the bleeding, and I think we're starting to buy into his mantra, death by inches, and we're doing all the things right on that side of the football that we need to do to be a a competitor in the AFC.
0: Zach, when Kyle Fuller got released by the Bears I was hoping the Jets would go grab him But everybody knew he was headed for the Broncos because of Vic Fangio Fangio knew exactly what to do with him And through two weeks he's played very, very well Von Miller, who everybody thought might be at the end of his career He has played outstanding so far I know. On the surface, you're saying, well, it's Von Miller. What'd you expect? Okay, sure. But look at what's happened to J.J. Watt and how he's deteriorated, whereas Von Miller comes back and plays really well. As we just heard from Maddie, no Bradley Chubb to go with Von Miller on Sunday. So big break for the Jets there. But as he also pointed out, PS2, Patrick Sertain the second, who a lot of people thought the Broncos made a mistake taking with Justin Fields sitting there on the board for them, has got off to a pretty good start as well as a rookie at cornerback. And really, as much as that strange comment from George Payton about how it's harder to find a cornerback than a quarterback rings in my head, it is still very difficult to find an excellent cornerback. It's not as hard as finding a starting quarterback who is above average, but still it's a difficult position to fill. So Zach, talk to me a little bit about these players and what you've seen from them because I know that we all expected the Denver defense to be pretty good, but I don't think that we thought it was going to be like this. You have Kyle Fuller turning back the clock. You have Von Miller turning back the clock. You've got Patrick Sertain the second coming into his own very quickly as a rookie in this Fangio defense. So the Broncos have played really well offensively. We talked about that, but they've played really well defensively too. Again, only two games and two subpar teams, but still you can only play the teams that are on your schedule and they've done very well against both.
2: They have, you know, and that's the thing. You can only play your strength of schedule, you know, that's how it works out. And they did a lot better against Daniel Jones than another elite defense. The the Washington football team who allowed 29, 30 points somewhere in there. Um, you know, the Broncos nearly shut that team out. They had the, the one touchdown on an early drive where you know moved down the field. Um, I won't say with no problem, but moved down the field, you know, had a good, good, solid, steady drive. And then their last score to get to 13 came on literally the last play of the game. It doesn't get more garbage time than that. Um, I think this defense is really, really remarkable, especially from a talent standpoint Um, in Denver. You look at Mike Purcell right there at the nose tackle snacks, Harrison, I'm sure New York audience is familiar Mm -hmm. with him, led the league in run stuffing metrics for about three, four years straight. And then in 2019, That streak stopped because the Broncos started playing Mike Purcell and he took first Snacks Harrison, still second, but Mike Purcell took that spot. And I think that's just to go like no one. I'd be surprised if many New York fans know who Mike Purcell is. He's not a big name star, was injured a lot of last season. He's not going to fill the stat sheet, but he's good at taking on double teams. Um, or, or just uh, uh, taking one and a half gaps, if you want to get really into the nitty gritty here. And that allows Draymond Jones and Shelby Harris, who are two of the better interior pass rushers. I think they're both maybe right in that tier below Quinn and Williams, not in that elite, but very, very, very good tier. Um, they're making hay, absolutely. Um, you know, you've got a outside linebacker, Von Miller, and sure, they're down Bradley Chubb, but on that left side, the Jets, of course, down Mackay Becton, so we're both down our bests. And I would, you know, kind of bet that Malik Reed, who has had to start for the Broncos on the edge both of the last two years, Von Miller being injured in 2020, Chubb in 2019, Reed had to start for those two. Um, that I think he's going to be better than George Fant, and the Broncos also have a lot of depth there, where they're going to be able to rotate guys in um, and keep them fresh. So I think that's a problem for the Jets. Inside linebacker, I think might be the spot the Jets want to exploit, maybe get Michael Carter in space against a Justin Sternod and an Alexander Johnson and hope for a miscue. But outside of that, you talked about the cornerback group. Kyle Fuller's playing fantastic. Patrick Sertan's playing fantastic. And everyone's forgetting about the best one of the bunch, Bryce Callahan, who's Mm -hmm. playing just as good as Chris Harris Jr. was in Orange and Blue, Mm -hmm. playing like the best nickel corner in the league. Mm -hmm. Um, At an all-pro level when healthy, the the struggle there is him staying healthy. Uh, Safeties, Justin Simmons, I think he's the best safety in football. Unlike Jamal Adams, he can cover. Mm-hmm. New York Jets fans, mm-hmm. aren't you happy? Aren't you happy you didn't pay him that contract and got a couple mm-hmm. first round picks instead? And also, um, if I can yeah.
0: interject, unlike Jamal Adams, Probably. he keeps it off of Twitter. So that's good too.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he's a classy guy, high character. <laughs> um, that was funny. The funny thing is, that was Jamal Adams' selling point coming out of this. Anyways, Green Jackson <laughs> playing out of his mind at age 32. I thought uh, Fangio made a really apt point uh, in a press conference this week. That Hey, he's 32. It might be hard to think that he's going to get even better. Um, this is his third year playing safety. He's still kind of learning the position, learning Fangio's complex scheme. And again, was a bit of word salad for you Jets fans. But if you go through just about every position outside inside linebacker, there's a difference maker on this Broncos defense. And I think uh, you got a, a mastermind like Fangio scheming it up too. it. It could be a nightmare for Wilson out there.
0: Cam, I got to tell you, Zach just referenced George Fant and somebody being better than George Fant. That is a very, very low bar. So I'm hoping (laughs) that nobody's better than George Fant, but I would 100% expect that to be the case on Sunday. I want to ask you, as somebody who knows the Broncos very well, if you are Vic Fangio and you are Pat Shermer, how are you strategizing to attack the Jets on both sides of the ball? What is it that you are going to do to ensure that the Broncos have the maximum level of success on Sunday, playing to their strengths and against the Jets' weaknesses.
4: Well, you know, even on the on the defensive side of the ball, um, you know, I, I would just for for Denver, um, you know, kind of confuse things a little bit for the for the young rookie quarterback a little bit. You know, do confuse some things and even get to to Zach Wilson. You know, get him get him to even stay with, within the pocket. I think that that's going to be, you know, one of the great things if they can keep him, you know, within the pocket, because, you know, off platform Zach Wilson is probably one of the strongest reasons why Zach Wilson became a number two overall pick. Um, so, uh, I, I just think that, uh, with, uh, with the, the Broncos sake, if they can be able to create that pressure, that Bradley Chubbless, uh, pressure, you know, I, I think that, uh, You know it'll be interesting. You know, one side note as far as some of the pass thrusts, and I'm surprised that uh, one of the leaders of the Baron Browning fan club didn't 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 talk about it in all those players. But you know, uh, the coaches talked about it this week that uh, Baron Browning uh, could get some look at uh, outside linebacker or even edge. It may not be this week, but they're certainly looking into it. So I think that uh, you know, might we might see it this week? We might not. But the fact is, is that the Broncos are at least intrigued with the possibility of. Uh, Baron Browning at that particular spot, but I mean, you know, overall, um, you know, if they can just be able to to get Zach Wilson, you know, hemmed in a little bit inside the pocket and uh, and really uh, eliminate his playmaking, you know, outside the pocket, you know, I think that you know, do a lot of wonders. But I, I, I think for the you know, the Broncos secondary, they can't get lost on a lot of those uh, on, on on a lot of those underrated wide receivers. I mean, you know, you can't lose sight of Elijah Moore, you know, one of the better you know, wide receivers that, that, you know, blast up draft charts, right? And, I uh, mean, really uh, became a nice little product for the Jets of a one-two punch of uh, Zach Wilson and Elijah Moore in the draft. So if they can do that, and then also, you know, slimy Corey Davis. You know, Corey Davis is finally, uh you know, that number one wide receiver on a team. And so if they can be able to him, uh, him, him, uh, you know, Davis, I think it'll do well. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, I don't think much will change. You know, if they can still stick to a running game, you know, stick to everything that they're doing on the offensive side of the ball. You know, obviously you'll definitely you'll definitely still take you know positive rushing yards, but overall, I would just say, it's, you know, stick to the game plan. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And uh, you know, I would expect the Jets just to basically keep up that same game plan as Jacksonville and the Giants, and really you know stop uh, or sorry make Teddy Bridgewater beat them. Maddie right now
0: is doing his best Stone Cold Steve Austin impression. He's got the two beers. He smashed them together. (laughs) He's chugging them. So now is the perfect time for me to ask him about what he would do if he was the New York Jets to attack the Denver Broncos' weaknesses because we just asked Cam about what the Broncos should do against the Jets. And, Maddie, it works both ways here. Because you know the Broncos so well, you can also identify – where they're weak, and what the Jets should do. I know that you don't want to be giving Robert Sala any tips, especially since Woody Johnson's not paying you, but if you were Robert Sala and the coaching staff, how would you attack this from the Jets' side?
3: First of all, if uh, you need him to look to me to give you tips, like, you're in worse shape than you thought. (laughs) Um, That guy's a stud, though. There's a reason why he's in that position. San Francisco, you talk about doing more with less due to injury still is able to make chicken salad out of something else. So um, very, very stout, very sound uh, in his principles. He's going to give you plenty of opportunities to beat yourself. Right. And I I think uh, that's going to be great for you guys moving forward. What I would do offensively, we'll start there. I would introduce screen passes more, um, do some things that, we're going to be aggressive. The pass rush is going to come. I don't know that we're going to necessarily blitz a lot, but um, we might. You know, let our defensive linemen are hungry. I'll, I'll put it that way, and they they want to come eat our outside backers. They want to eat, and they may be a little over aggressive. You have guys, Michael Carter, uh, pre mentioned uh, Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore maybe is one of the great, the best playmakers in the entire draft that you brought in, and he he doesn't need much space. So you get him out there in space. You give him one or two escorts, and he could be very, very dangerous. Get the ball out of Wilson's hands. Um, we talked about this with Drew Locke a lot last year. Him being a basketball guy too, you got to see a couple go in, and then you can build some some confidence and get some momentum. That's exactly what you need, uh, Wilson, to see. You know, get some easy completions. Don't be in in second eight because you just slammed your running back into the into the offensive line you know, trying to get ahead of the sticks. That's not going to work against the Broncos. So force their aggression against them. Uh, Ronald Darby is out. So we, we are still strong at cornerback, but we're not as strong as we thought going in. So being able to kind of pick out who you might want to attack in certain scenarios, it will certainly help if Jamison Crowder comes to play Being able to throw him in the slot will help a lot. He's a big-time security blanket, at least I know he was, for Darnold. um, That's kind of been his M.O., again, one of the the biggest athletes on the field as well. So being able to get him the ball quickly and get him the ball in space, and maybe you can get some yards after the catch. Where you're going to get in trouble is if you try to hold on to the ball too long and you get cute with Wilson and you try to take too many shots deep. Our pass rush will get home. We're really good on the back end. I don't think that's going to be a way to attack us. So screen passes, quick passes, get the ball in space, get it to your playmakers quickly. Uh, Maybe cut the field in half for Wilson if you have to. Uh, Less reads, less decisions for him, and just play ball. On the the defensive side, um, I I think that you can really blitz guys up the middle. Um, Force Teddy to get out of the pocket. He's been great you know, making plays happen outside of the pocket, but that's not really his comfort zone. If he can climb the pocket, if he can do a few few short movements to buy time, he's going to choose to do that. And we could really have issues if you're blitzing, you know, up a gap, up B gap, and forcing a lot of pressure on our interior offensive line. And you really force us to not empty out our backfield and keep a running back in there to pick up the blitz so that's something that can kind of help you take the fight to the offense and then jamming the receivers at the line of scrimmage will certainly help i know that's a little scary when you've got guys like kj hamler who could potentially take the top off you've got physical guys and patrick and sutton but you certainly don't want to see uh 81 and 14 get off the line cleanly and be right there in timing so that's going to be big and then finally, uh, having your safeties be disciplined, not look off quickly, um, not, not be overly aggressive to, uh, to what we're, we're trying to do with quick misdirection and Teddy Bridgewater looking a safety off in this spot to open up a window on the backside. So if you're going to run one high, two high, whatever it is, safety discipline and sticking with your assignments going to be critical because Teddy is very crafty in that way. And we have two tight ends that can, that can, you know, eat your lunch up the seam and we will run a lot of 12 personnel in this game. So uh, those are just a few tips. Uh, I still think it's going to be tough, but you can definitely make the game a little uglier than Broncos country would like.
0: Zach. The main thing that the Jets are looking for, and certainly Jets fans are, is for Zach Wilson to get back on track in this game. Unfortunately, as I said before, Vic Fangio, one of the brightest defensive minds in the league, and he's got a hell of a defense there with the Broncos. What do you expect him to throw at Zach Wilson to try and confuse him and shake his confidence the way that Bill Belichick did this past week? And ultimately, how do you think this game is going to play out? Why and what do you think the final score is going to be? You don't have to give me a specific number. I guess you can give me a range. But where do you think this is headed?
2: Yeah, you know, I think that's a great question um, in regards to how is Fangio going to attack him as opposed to Bel- Belichick. Because I think these are the two godfathers of NFL defense, and and Belichick's kind of the godfather of one philosophy, and Fangio's the godfather of the other. I think the way Belichick wants to beat rookies, and we saw it in the, the sorry, Jets fans, but the famous uh, Sam Darnold-Seeing Ghosts game, and we we saw it this past game, um, he, he wants to heat you up um, and, and force you into mistakes. Fangio's not going to, I think, really bring that many blitzes or cover zero looks or exotic pressures. I don't think that's really going to be the way he likes to beat rookie quarterbacks. And Matty's absolutely right. The pressure's going to be there. By no means am I saying... Zach Wilson's going to have all day to throw uh, the Broncos are just going to try and get there with four. And they've got the guys, even with Chubb being down, you know, Draymond Jones, Shelby Harris, Von Miller, and Malik Reed. That's a, that's a mean foursome. Um, even if some of the Jets fans out there aren't familiar with it, let me tell you, that's a, that's a, that's a stiff foursome. They're going to bring heat with those guys and they're going to try and confuse them. They're going to make it look like one thing before the snap. And they're going to, Masterfully disguise it and quickly switch it into another post snap, and hope to fool him that way. And then the moment he feels lulled into a sense of security, where he he figures out how they're rotating coverages, they're going to not disguise it and they're going to believe it as is. Um, they do a really good job of disguising, but also not disguising. Because if you know it's disguised, you know it's disguised. They do a good job of of mixing in some straight up front looks too. And I think as a rookie quarterback. Um, it, it can leave you um, searching for answers. Uh, final score, I've got this one in the 30 to 10 range. I think the Jets will have some points. It's the modern NFL. It's hard to uh, achieve a shutout anymore. Um, you know, maybe a field goal and a, a touchdown drive feels nice to me. I could, I could see them limited to just seven as well um, with how close the Broncos came to a, a shutout the first couple weeks. Um, but, yeah, ultimately, I, I think somewhere in that 30 to 10 range, um, I don't see the matchup if you're the Jets that you're hoping to highlight here where, where you think you're going to get an advantage. I think the best one for them on offense is Corey Davis working against either the rookie Patrick Sertan or Kyle Fuller. But those are not easy matchups. You might even favor the Broncos end of that matchup. And I think it's the, the best one the Jets have. Um, so I think the Jets path to a victory here, muddy the game up because they can do that against the interior of the Broncos line and can really blow things up. And that's going to be necessary because it's going to maximize possessions. This Broncos team wants to shorten the game, give both teams, you know, as few possessions as possible. Um, And to that maximum, I think the other key to the jets in this game is be aggressive on fourth down because you're not going to get many opportunities. Don't punt on that fourth and five at the 50 thinking you're going to get it again, because you very well might not. Um, And you might have missed a golden opportunity to try and convert a fourth and five and even get a field goal. Um, Because I think if the Jets are going to win this game, it's going to have to be their defense winning it for them Um, and muddying it up and keeping the Broncos from hitting that 30 number. Because I I really see it hard for the Jets to um, exceed much at all past that number of 10.
0: Cameron Parker, Matty Moles, and Zach Seegers, the crew from the Mainly Broncos podcast. Thank you so much for coming on and helping me break down the Broncos ahead of this matchup on Sunday between the Jets and the Broncos. Really appreciate all three of you coming on and sharing your insight. Before I let you run, I want to go to each one of you so you can talk about the work that you're doing and how people can follow you on social media and check out what you're doing. So Cam, you go first.
4: Yeah, you guys can uh, follow the work uh, that uh, we obviously do over here at the Mainly Broncos. At Mainly Broncos um, it's the Twitter handle. Um, for myself, um, I'm a writer, contributor over at Predominantly Orange. Uh, you guys can follow uh, the work that they do over at Predominantly Orange, at Predom Orange, and myself at Cameron Parker PO. It, uh, it was an absolute blast, Scott, so thank you uh, so much for having us.
0: Absolutely. It was a pleasure having all three of you. Maddie, I love the Stone Cold Steve Austin impression. Made me laugh. People can't <laughs> see it because this is audio only, but I got to see it, and that's all that matters. What are you working on right now over Predominantly Orange?
3: I'm a glue guy. I'm a real gym rat. You know, uh, I'm just <laughs> first one in, last one out type of guy. Um, right now, I don't have anything in the queue. Uh, it's, it's pretty hungry in those streets. There are a lot of people grinding. So I'm just in there to look pretty and be comic relief on our Slack channel as of right now. Um, <laughs> and I think I do an all right job with that. Um, I'm also yeah. involved in, a, in an OKC Thunder podcast called uh, OKC Topic Thunder. Yeah, we robbed it from the movie. <laughs> um, so basketball season's right around the corner. So I'll be a little preoccupied with with both seasons there. And you can follow me on Twitter at Maddie Moles pod, where I'm giving uh, golden nuggets for daily fantasy sports. So hoping that I can make a lot of money this year and I can help other people make money. I did not make money tonight because Christian McCaffrey, uh, had a hamstring early on and that basically toasted all of my lineups. So anyway, it'll be better, but that's where you can find me.
0: Zach, how about you? What are you working on, man?
2: Yeah, I'm working like a dog. Uh, Find me over at Mile High Sports. Got a ton of articles, like four columns a week coming out over there. Uh, Game preview, game recap, uh, top five lists. I mean, everything under the sun. Um, Find our work over at Mainly Broncos. Even if you're not a Broncos fan, I think we got really good coverage over here. And I think something that Jets fans really might enjoy is a a new podcast venture. I'm starting with a a friend, Joey Richards, what's on draft, got some draft coverage, Uh, draft impacts every team. So, you know, even you Jets fans, make sure you go check that one out.
0: (laughs) We'll have to do some crossovers as the draft gets a little bit closer. Unfortunately, it's starting to look like Jets fans (laughs) are going to be looking towards the draft early as has been the case for the last few years Fingers crossed that they at least give us something competitive and watchable over the next bunch of weeks. But this week, they've got a tough one against the Broncos. I'm glad you guys could all help me break it down. Make sure you follow all three of them on Twitter. Check out mainly Broncos and check out all the work that they're doing outside of the podcast. And check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Some great videos up right now, including two Michael Carters for the price of $1. Luke Grant broke down Michael Carter and Michael Carter II The running back and the slot corner Both have played very well so far So he's got all 22 there Some all 22 from Zach Wilson's Performance against the Patriots It wasn't all bad So he's got some of the good stuff up there too As well and a whole bunch of other videos Check them all out and subscribe to our YouTube channel If you haven't done so already And give us a 5 star review for the podcast On iTunes if you haven't done that already Easy way to help out the show If you like what we're doing doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you could go ahead and do that for us we'd be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcast and content you know where to go that's play like a jet digital and play like a jet.com judy was
1: boring hello then judy discovered jumbacasino.com
3: it's my little escape
1: now judy's the life of the party
3: oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon
1: whoa
2: <sighs>